This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos twitter.com forward slash ah podcast if you'd like to follow our twitter feed you can also check out my videos on youtube under the name aussie federal control alternatively all social media links can be found on the website everyone knows i love my listeners but i've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners if you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show go to the website and click on the donate button on the right hand side of the main page and show your support which is always appreciated that helps us keeps the lights on in this joint and pay those bills we have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy share the australian hunting podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love so as usual without further ado let's get into my interview with today's guest this is rod drew ceo of field and game australia this is rob fickling from beyond the divide and maroka 30 Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast here on AHP Digital. Another episode of our Everyday Hunter podcast series, just like myself. And I've got Lance Mitchell, who's actually here with me uh, in my uh, home studio, Alas the Bedroom. And we're recording another episode for the Everyday Hunter, which is uh, where we talk to hunters, shooters, and fishermen just like me about what they enjoy about the sport. Lance, how are you doing? Good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries, mate. I guess um, tell us about yourself. I guess whether you hunt, shoot, fish, how you got into it. Oh mate, I'm mostly a mostly a hunter. Um, I do a little bit of fishing from time to time, but uh, it's mostly hunting. That's uh, that's where we get our fun. So, yeah, what do you enjoy, mate? Tell us, like about hunting, shooting, or fishing. I mean, what what? How did you originally get into it? What did you enjoy? Like, what did you did your family hunt? What sort of what happened? What how did you get into it? No, I don't come from a, a hunting background uh, in terms of my family. Um, I guess you could call it uh, semi-rural, uh, sort of an environment, but. Um, yeah, I grew up in the in the Blue Mountains. Um, Going to sound like an old fart, but when we were kids, we didn't have a lot of toys. So most uh-huh. of the time for uh, <laughs> most of my time for my, my mates and I were running around in the bush playing uh, playing games out in the bush. But um, 
Yeah, I think uh, looking back, I think that starting hunted for me at a, at a really young age in terms of just just chasing things around the bush and um, you know chasing live birds and and rabbits and whatnot and wallabies in the in the backyard. Um, like I said, we didn't have many toys growing up, so a lot of uh, a lot of my time as a young bloke was just out in the bush. My dad would give me a, give me a just a backpack and a, a bottle of water, and off you go. So. So parents, none of none of them hunted. Mum, dad, sisters, brothers. No, no. no the no. closest thing I had was uh, was my brother-in-law. Uh, he got into shooting at a, at a young age. He's a, he's a little bit older than me. Um, so that was probably the, the origins of it. Um, starting out down the road shooting bunnies for the local orchardist. Um, but in terms of hunting, family-wise, no, no. It's um, I sort of got into it through uh, through the sport of paintball. Um, Started down at uh, Action Paintball Games. That's how I got my. That's the reason I got my firearms license to start with. Yeah, um, was through uh, Action Paintball Games. Um, played professional paintball for New South Wales. Um, so I don't know if you've had much ex- experience looking at paintballing, but um, or had a chat with Adam Connolly at yep. Action Paintball at the yep. Shot Show. Yep. Um, yeah, I got into that pretty heavily. Um, played representative paintball. It's not the uh, not the bush skirmish that you probably be familiar with with the rental stuff. It's more with the uh, airsoft field where there's um, a tournament from one end of the field to the other. It's very fast. It's a bit like ice hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got into that um, and then just uh, with the family growing up, started heading into into more hunting Yeah. As, as the time allowed. I did talk to Action Paintball about uh, Adam. Is it Mike? Adam, is it Mike, yeah. the owner? Uh, Mike's the owner, yeah, yeah Mike yeah, and spoke, John. Yeah, I spoke to those guys about airsoft and whether they'd be able to gear up for it. I mean, it's totally ridiculous that a paintball marker is a is a i'm even surprised you even have to have a firearms license for a paintball marker and a safe yeah yeah it's, it's category h so it's uh, uh, you know you can walk around with a compound bow and that's not classified as a weapon but you got to have your paintball guns ball paintball marker yeah. i didn't even know it was smoothball i thought i wonder if it's smoothball i did ask that sorry my layman you know not knowing but i did yeah. ask adam when i was there i said is it a is it a, a smoothball or is it rifled he said no it is smoothball, smoothball. so yeah, yeah. No, you should get out there and have a go. It's good oh, fun. Mate, I'd, be, I'd fun. probably run 50 metres. I'd be stuffed <laughs> by the look of me. Um, mate, tell us, I mean, obviously you've spoken to people before, but what are people's reactions to you hunting and shooting when they find out about it? Obviously, you've got work colleagues. Mine all, mine all sort of know that I can't, you know, when you get holidays, they're like, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to hunt ducks for two weeks. You can't sort of, a bit hard to keep from people, I guess, but what do people normally say to you? Yeah, usually it's a pretty good reaction. Um, I think m- most people in my line of work are... Um, recreational in their time they like to get out on the water a lot of people enjoy fishing so um when you put it in that kind of context that um you're out getting a resource for your own food to put food on the table for your family or you're out for a bit of sports fishing you know you put it into that kind of context it's a little bit more um i guess more acceptable to people i don't usually i've got a few friends that are that have got wives of the greenies or, or whatever and, yeah and that, that sort of gets the, the blood boiling with them a bit but yeah don't go um, to any barbecues <laughs> With them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. It never ends well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're generally pretty good. I mean, I think I've always said to my mates, I could take the most hardcore greenie hunting and, and they would enjoy it. I think there's there's a, there's a lot that hunters have in common with greenies, uh, especially the hardcore greenies. And um, once people understand that you're not out there blasting the crapper out of everything that moves, that you, that you once you dispel the, dispel the myth of, of, of the redneck, or the perception that they have, um, and they see that you're out there for the same reasons that, that they are, which is essentially to connect with nature and to and to um, and to enjoy nature for what it is. Um, 
then there, then there's a lot of parallels between what they say and what we're saying. So mm. I often have, I often have discussions along those lines where um, it, it, it almost ends up amicable where they might uh, they might disagree with the method, but they certainly agree with the philosophy at some point. Have you had any good fights with the? Your mates misses or anything like that? Any, any blow-ups? Come on, you can share some uh, blow-ups. Not in person. I've had a few good ones online. Um, a- Animals Australia Fuck. website's pretty good. <laughs> good old Facebook, eh? Hey, you know? There's a new one. I just realised I'll probably talk about this in the next show. There was, I don't know if you're still, you're still doing a lot of Facebooks. So you did before this Kendall Jones. She's some little, you know, she's some little cheerleader from Texas. She's, I don't know, 20, 22. And uh, she's been posing with leopards and lions. Oh, yeah, and she, that. she wanted yeah. the, what they call, what's it called? The Fast Seven. I'm not sure what that means, but, mm. you know, zebra, kudu, lion, leopard, mm. whatever. I'm not sure what the other, warthog, whatever they are. Mm. And, oh, mate, she's she's actually started a new page to support her. And, like, it's just off the chain. Like, she's mm. now got, like, something 150,000 likes and some of them mm. might be bad. But actually, I think she's realizing that the bad publicity is good publicity because, you know, 150,000, she's getting the word out there. Mm. Mind you, there's a lot of absolutely a lot of hate. And I, what I can't understand is these people are out there honestly saying, uh, she asked a question about, oh, what do you guys like to hunt? And people were saying on there, oh, I'd like to hunt you. Mm. Yeah, this is what I mean. This is yeah. how sick these people again, it's not my cup of tea, but you know, again, you know, a lot of people if it's done properly, you know, some people mm. got a very weird thing about this about lions or leopards and this, that and the other, you know. Um but, you know, I guess what can we say? But mate, tell us, do you participate in any non hunting before I answer that question, I asked you a question, did you have any other blow ups? Any uh Animals Australia? Um I used oh, to I, I used to see a fair bit on Facebook, yeah, just yeah. giving a few people to stick. Oh, yeah. the National Parks and Wildlife hunting in uh national parks, that that created a bit of controversy. Yeah. That was good. Um yeah. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit sswasydney.net. All right, mate. Tell us about any any uh, uh, participate in any non hunting related <laughs> shooting activities, mate. Rifles, targets, shotguns, pistols. No, not no, not really. No, no. The only shooting that I do apart from out in the field is to to zero the rifle in. Uh, yeah, we load all our own ammo, so we uh, we're pretty technical with how specific that is and try and get it down to sub MOA. So yeah. Uh, had a bit of luck with uh, with chronograph and the the ammunition that we're making and um, getting really really tight formations on our targets. So that's think, been pretty good. Do you reckon that's important? Do you like do you like? Do you, I mean, a lot of people say when you go out hunting, yeah, it's good to get the rifles and go hunting. But just that being at home, reloading, a lot of people enjoy that sort of stuff. Mm. Do, you, do you like it? Do you like? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Do you like making it better, trying to get that ultimate? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more about for me. It's more about confidence in the field. I like knowing that when the crosshairs are on, it's on its vitals mm. that it's going to go down straight away and um I, I just like having that confidence in the rifle that it's going to do exactly what it's meant to do so only only hunting no 
Yeah, bows, shotguns. I've given bow targets. hunting a, a go recently. No good. Oh, I think it's a it's a habit I'll have to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Certainly I, more uh, certainly more taxing, more I've, challenging. Yeah, I've tried to hunt deer dead set. I, I can't shoot it with a rifle, let alone <laughs> yeah, let alone with a bow. I, I must admit, I give those guys the utmost respect. How close they yeah. can get. Yep. You know, like I'm trying to get to a rifle. I'm trying to move my feet. And, you know, yeah. mm. people say, I'll oh, take it. I said, yeah, I'm just going to take my shoes off and walk around in the bush. You know, mm. I'll probably going to get bitten by a snake, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just so so hard. But anything else? Not mm. just mainly use mainly Hunter or? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yep. yep, nothing else. Good stuff, mate. All right, now we're talking about um, rifles before. Uh, what's your go-to calibers and what uh, suits your game, honey? Let's talk about, I mean, do you shoot big game, small game? What's your, what's your go-to calibers? Oh, 308 is yeah. the go for me. Feel 308, like mate, yeah. 168 grain Hornady AMAX at the moment. That's doing the goods. Yeah. 44.5 grains. It's singing. Um, yeah, that's, that's knockout stuff on pigs, which is the, which is our game. That's what we, yeah. hunt, we, what we hunt the most. Yeah. Um, it's probably a little fast and maybe a little bit heavy for fallow, but um, as I said, we're hitting them in the vitals, so they're going down. Do you prefer the bolt type guns, or what are you? What's your because you get different types of you know actions. Obviously, we get yeah. bolts, or some guys like the Remington 70, 7615, I think mm. or seventy six hundred. They love the pump style. Mm. Used to bolt action guy. To me, mate, it's I've only got the one gun. Yeah, I've only got the one gun, and when I'm out in the field, it's like I was born with it. And yeah, it's, it's oh, just I don't confident. I don't use anything else. It does the job. What about small game three oh eight two? No, I don't, I don't hunt much small game. No. Nah. No. He's a he's a he loves no. the big game, mate. What do you like to hunt? What types of game? Let's talk about game. Yeah, I love. Let's talk about different types of game in Australia. I guess where that th- where that where that three oh eight can come in and uh, be effective. Oh, predominantly it's pigs for us, mate. For for my mates yeah. and I, yeah. I'd say about ninety percent ninety percent of the time we're after pigs. Um, I go to, to uh, after Sandbar in Victoria about twice a year, um, and that's enjoyable, but. Um, the most amount of time we spend is hunting pigs. What, um, why pigs? Why? What's 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 about pigs that just gets you coming back every time? It's a, that's a good question, mate. Um, I enjoy the challenge of it. Um, obviously, deer I find uh, is a lot more challenging. But there's just something about pigs that you can pattern. We try to record everything that we do in terms of rainfall and uh, time of year, time of day, and try, really try and pattern exactly where they're going to be. Does it work out? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. We have, we have quite a lot of success with um, just look, looking at the yield and looking at um, and at the weather patterns, um, using the Bureau website to pick up uh, wind direction, starting in the top topography before we get there. Yeah, maybe because we've had uh, more experience in hunting it that it's sort of we're enjoying the, the fruits of the labour a bit more. But I guess I find deer to be very, very challenging um, but it's not the same sort of sport, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. not. Um, it's a lot harder work, and obviously different terrain. Uh, pigs are slightly more accessible, obviously. But uh, what do you reckon's harder to hunt, deer or pigs? Oh, deer, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With the yeah. Po- something like a sandbar won't give you any. Won't give you away. No, you have no chance. Yeah. What about when you're hunting the porkers? Um, they sort of they they whinge you. They sort of they hard to hunt. They very sort of getting that thicket and you can't see them because they do blend in they're yeah. dark you know what i mean whereas a deer you, but then no you can you can never underestimate the intelligence of pigs yeah um particularly in numbers and particularly with a big old boar you can't you can't give them too much yeah 
What's your yeah. biggest one you've what's the biggest one you've hunted? Like biggest yeah pig. What I went to we went to Cape York uh, with the Nepean Hunters Club. That's right, uh, back yeah, I in think I saw the October photos, 2012. Yeah. That was hot, um, eh? So we had some pretty big pigs up there. Um, but in terms of size, just the sheer bulk of pigs, probably I've shot I've shot probably about a 120, 130 kilo. Yeah, yeah some pretty big tanks out there. Once you once you know what you're looking for, and sometimes it's almost a case of passing up uh, passing up the smaller ones to to find the bigger ones but it, it just depends what you're after if you're you're after meat then you're obviously going to go for the little ones if you're after a big trophy ball then it's a different situation but what about eating the meat you are you you bring them home yeah, yeah 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 absolutely yeah. mate yeah. What, what do you cook them up with give me some couple of ideas what sort of you know who what you back, obviously back straps what are they coming yeah yeah go the pork back straps and, leg of pork a bit, a bit of <laughs> <laughs> like a leg of lamb bit of leg my, of pork. Uh, my auntie's a, a um a chef down in victoria so she's got me a whole bunch of re- uh, recipes for pork and yeah all different kinds of marinades that you can use and yeah, yeah i reckon no, i've always got some pork in the freezer they got a bit of a bad rep but i think if you know what you're looking for and um i've we've done a few uh, meat harvesting courses through the napoleon hunters club and um they've helped us look for you know signs of injury or signs of weakness through the animal and what to look out for on the carcass so you can determine whether it's edible meat or that's good quality meat yeah um and game selection obviously when you're about to pull the trigger if you you know you know what you're looking for you know what you're going to shoot once you've gone through that education process you can sort of determine what you're going to what you're going to take from it let's say you've been out in the bush you see a bunch of pigs what what groups you normally send them twos fours tens what sort of the best run you say you've had on the pigs like you you must have a group of 10 you've taken all 10 for an example or it really depends what property you're on and and what part of new south wales or australia that you're looking in Mm. um and whether the property's been hunted you know if it if the property's suffering from a lot of um hunting pressure you're not you're not going to see those numbers um, and obviously, it varies from season to season how, mu- how much they're breeding. Um, when I first got into it, it took me forever to f- find my first couple of pigs. Um, and then the season sort of picked up a little bit. And then we're seeing big numbers in, in mobs moving around. We're seeing up to you know, 20 or 30 in a mob. All right, mate, if you could break it down, tell us uh, what it means to be a hunter, shooter and or fisherman in Australia in the 20th century. Mate, I think it's, or I can only speak for my mates and I, but for us it's about getting away. You know, it's about disconnecting from this bubble that we're in with the 21st century. I think uh, the popularity of hunting has, has has risen in the past strictly due to factors like that, I think. I think particularly in Sydney we're living in this, uh, it's almost like a, a fake existence where we're worried about mortgages and we're worried about the traffic and we're worried about protecting our income and future-proofing our retirement and all this it's crap we don't need it you know i want to find the bloke that said we should work five days a week and have two days off and i want to punch him in the face because it's a joke you don't need it it's um let's work three days a week if at all why not you know i'd I'd get the same amount of work done we'd be happy but um for us it's about getting away and, and and catching up with friends in the country we've got uh we've got a lot of friends out there that are that are really genuine friends and they're really genuine people and I think they enjoy f- realizing how lucky they are living in and in, living in an environment like that all the time. So, for my mates and I, it's it's about getting away. And um, I've got a pet hate on for people when you come back off a shooting trip and they say, "Oh, welcome back to the real world." And this isn't the real world. The real world's out there. The real world's where the the sun comes up every morning, and you know the birds are chirping, and the, the eagles are up, and the the game's out and about. 
Yeah, I, I, think can, that, yeah. I think that's more their upset, eh? Like, welcome back to their miserable existence. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, I've recently got a few trial cameras and I've, I've put them out the last couple of weeks and I know that I'm going to, when I get them back and pull the card out, there's going to be a, a whopping big bore or a big buck right in front of my trial camera at 8.30 on a Tuesday morning when I was sitting in traffic or something like that. <laughs> For me, it's just about, it's about connecting with what we're, put on the planet to do you know i don't think we'll design people weren't designed to go and sit at an office desk and do the daily grind so um it's it's funny you know like we'll, we'll go away for a couple of days and like i said we we write we write all our data down and all our all that we try to keep track of as much as we can and you know we might have a certain success on on deer at one one part of the, the country and we can go back to that block and say, last time we did this, we did this, we did this, we did that. Get all the facts and figures together and go back there and find nothing. We'll go for two days, find nothing. We'll get dribs and drabs. And it's like you're learning again almost. It's like you're starting the whole learning about hunting experience again. Until you get to the fourth or fifth day and then you're killing it. Then you're finding stuff where it should be. You're picking up on the cues. That bit of grass is bent. There's a bit of sign over there that wasn't there yesterday. There's a footprint inside our tire track over there. The wind's blowing that direction. You know, suddenly you're in the groove. You're seeing things that you didn't see on the first day and the second day. It doesn't matter how good you are. You go back. You've got to start again because you you get unplugged from it. And it's that that Ted Nugent thing, that predator instinct, yep. that keying into to tracking, to learning. It's like a mystery, you know. You, you get one clue here, you get another clue over there. It dries up, you turn around and start again. You get another clue, another clue. It's that challenge. It's that it's that trying to unlock the prize that keeps us coming back for more. This is an ad for the Liberal Democrats. But the Liberal Democrats don't want me to talk about them. They want me to talk about you. People should control governments. Governments shouldn't control people. In fact, the Liberal Democrats think the less you hear from the government, the better. Unless you're hurting someone, governments should get out of the way and let you live the life you want. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. This year on deer, I didn't get the prize. You know, two trips, uh, 12 days, and I saw a couple of deer and then just trying to get up on them. It's just, as I said, these yeah. bow hunters, absolutely, mm. you know, crazy how, you know, how actually good they are to get that close, you know. And, you know, I did have an opportunity, but some component, I'm going to say the components let me down, mm. you know. had uh, a lot of, some of my mate knows he was there. I uh, was loading, had him in the crosshairs, and we, I shot a few of these loads out of the 7 mil, I think it was 140 grains, and and um, basically I shot one and then a couple of times at the range, click, and then I pull the, pull the round down and it's got an indented prime. I thought, oh, it's full of powder. What's going on here? Is there something wrong? But I think what it was is I've sort of figured out, I reckon when I've cleaned up the cases, I, I use ultrasonic cleaner and maybe I haven't, when I've shaken them out, maybe there's a bit of water in there and I normally just let them dry out for a week. Maybe a bit of water's got kept in there or a bad batch of primers and then when I've sort of put the powder in, you know, it hasn't, mm. you know, I might have, re- might have reloaded them three days later. Maybe only because I shake them out, any water hasn't come out, hasn't mm. dried out properly. So he goes, oh, it's going to happen to your hunting one day, isn't it? And I went, ah, oh, nah, man, it won't. And then first one, first shot, the only shot I had for the whole true trips, click. Mm. I'm going, oh, no. Nah. And their ears were up and they've bolted. Mm. It's not really a hill, but I've walked up to the 10 steps. 
was so I've reloaded, right? Walked up another ten steps, and then aimed, and then it's aimed, and they sort of once I racked the bolt, they were going. And I'm mm. thinking, I walk up a little bit. I thought they were gone, mm. but they were still there. And I sort of just got up, just so I could see one's head. It was just probably eighty meters, and I had the single bipod, uh, and just all the mono probably even I call it. And I lined it up, and went bang, and then it must have missed it. You know, mm. what I mean, just I could just see the top of its, you know, the top of its chin. You know, mm. so it was got to be a headshot because was, I wasn't wasn't going to get any closer. There was about four of them, and two went in the bush. One went back across the other side of this clearing, and then the other one came up past me about probably thirty meters away. But he was, he was, you know, high tailing it out of there. So yeah, they don't give you much. No, nah, but he, it's just like they heard that click though. I tell you, first time I went down to Victoria hunting sandbar, I saw three stags in the first two days. I reckon they're all thirty inch plus. How easy is this? Uh, about the third day, shot my first sandbar stag, whopper. Came back down. I think I've, I think it went seven years. Nothing. Just see odds and ends here and there, and then nothing else again. They just, you know, some guys will go twenty years hunting sandbar, and they won't get hold of them. Yeah. They won't. They don't give much away. So, just trying the effort, you know, it's just a lot of effort, and that's why I love, you know, no one can't decline. Love the high volume shooting, you know, birds, and love the, you know, love stuff like that. It's just, you know, but but it is pretty good, you know, when you do finally get one, it's pretty rewarding, isn't it? You know, when you sort of. You know, get one or get a record, it's it's pretty good. But, mate, tell us, I guess, what is it about hunting that keeps you coming back, that you enjoy so much about it? I mean, what, you know, sort of in your own words, what 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 is it exactly? You know, can you explain it? I guess that kind of goes back to your last question. But yeah. um, for, for for us, it's more it, it's more about just mates being together, mates getting away from it all. Every new person that I take hunting, uh, I tell them something along the lines of, if, you, if you're going out with the objective of shooting, a big 30-inch sandbar stag or you're going for a trophy buck in the fallow, you're gonna, at some point you're going to go home disappointed. There's got to be more to it than that. Hunting's hunting. Otherwise, it'd be called shooting. Otherwise, you'd just go out and shoot a cow. Mm. Hunting's about the search. It's about the mystery. It's about the challenge of it. So for us, it's, it's mateship. You know, if you ask me what was the best trip I've ever been on, I'll tell you it's the last trip that we went on. I think we saw four pigs for the whole week. But it was the best trip because just the laughs, the sitting around the campfire, everyone chatting, getting along with the farmers, catching up with all their old friends. It was just hoot. It was a blast. Yeah, I know. A lot of people hunt for meat, culture, feral animal control. You know, I guess why do you hunt? Because a lot of people out there, I've never heard anyone say they don't enjoy it. A lot of people will say, oh, how can you enjoy it? You know, But I've never had a green come up to you and say, oh, I'm going to get a firearms license. I'm going to, you know, because they really want to make a difference for feral animal control. I mean, mm. let's be honest, we enjoy it. If we didn't enjoy it, we wouldn't do it. So, mm. you know, what, why do you hunt specifically? I don't think I can say specifically. I think, I think that's part of the enjoyment of it is that there's so many reasons. Like I've been saying, that you know, hanging out with your mates and getting away from it all, the challenge of it. Putting putting meat on the table, putting food on the table, a whole raft of things, mate. You can't. Oh, I couldn't pinpoint it, even if I had to. What about the? If somebody said then? I'm not allowed to, if if somebody said we're not allowed to own firearms anymore, I'm not allowed to own bows, and you could, I'd still go hunting. I'd still I'd take a I'd take a camera. I'd still go with the mates and go camping, and still go hunting. Just wouldn't get anything, but I'd still be out there. Do the do the family like the food? Do they eat the sort of wild meats, or what about the what about the wife? Yeah, venison no? goes well. Venison goes well. Yeah, yeah put those in the sausages. What about the, what, yeah. the, the wife? She eats them. No, she's not so keen on the venison. No, yeah, she tries a little bit of wild goat meat from time to time. The kids. That's about it. Yeah, they'll eat anything, mate. 
as I said, I, I, someone gave me about a kilo of um, wild pork sausage. I haven't had any yet, but I'm going to try them again for this weekend. So yeah. see how they go. Um, you know, I know it's pretty popular, guys. You know, easy way to get them into food, get people eating it. You know, mix it up, maybe yeah. some pork mince or something. So depends on what it is, or venison with pork mince, or yep. I guess you know whatever you whatever you want. Add a bit of extra fat. A lot of people got different flavors, recipes are just unbelievable. I better be good anyway, because if it's not, I got it for free anyway. But yeah. Can't complain too much. Uh, that, remember, I was saying some of my mates' wives are greenies. I, I brought home some. Uh, we brought home some wild goat. She cooked it up in a goat curry. So I think. That, yeah. I think we're turning her around slowly. You know what I love when you, I tell them. <laughs> exactly. You know what I love when I tell them. I used to do it with my ex missus. She, she wouldn't even eat anything. This is before I even hunted. Like I'd make. Yeah, turkey meatloaf or something. She goes, oh, that's nice. You know, what was, yeah. that? What was that? And she's like, it in. <laughs> yeah, and then a couple of weeks later, I go, that was a turkey. You know, yeah. she's, oh, she just blow up. <laughs> hey, it was hilarious. I love yeah. doing that, my mates. I've fed them same thing, a uh, goat curry that we had. Yeah. And he goes, oh, man, that's bloody good, that curry, isn't it? And I said, yeah, you just ate goat, by the way. And he goes, ah, oh, you're a pig. Yeah. <laughs> I put him into some sausages for our mate's bucks party because uh, he, he didn't want to do anything. He just wanted to have a, a bonfire and a barbie. So we made up a whole bunch of sausages and we had. Um, it was just a, a wild game mix with uh, fallow, some goat, and some pork in there, and um, yeah, made up some, made up little bits and pieces and put it out on the barbie table, and they ended up eating it just with the sausages. They threw the bread away. What's this? Is great. Hoeing into it, had about ten kilos of sausages, and they they just disappeared. They loved it. They couldn't believe that that it had come from wild game. I especially, thought it was from a gourmet butcher or something like that. You know, especially with the price of meat these days. I mean, people are going out, getting a fallow, getting a pig. Yeah. You know, getting, she's what, 30, 40, 50 pence of a sand, but you're getting a lot of, yeah, a lot of meat right. off those animals. I mean, yeah. in this day and age, and two people say, especially if people got access to good blocks as well, yeah. getting a lot of game, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. really supplying for the family for quite a long period. I mean, look, you know, I was at the shops today. I mean, it was 10 bucks a kilo for mm-hmm. chicken breasts or thin thighs and you know yeah. i mean and other meats are a lot more expensive you know like a mm. butterfly bloody lamb 23 24 dollars yeah you know like especially if you can become yeah i've got a i've got a block up up my way that's that nobody else hunts on um so there's a little bit of deer management going on there but i got um i got one doe out of there this year and that's a that's a mountain of meat but the important thing is that that nothing went to waste it was just you know the skin's on the floor all the bones have gone to the dog everything else is cut off and into the freezer so yeah, that's what um, that's what people need to appreciate. That when you when you're down a big animal like that, you're getting Coles bags worth of food out of it to for a long period of time, especially if you've got the deep freeze to to keep hold of it. Yeah, I know you were talking about the the friends that are sort of greens before. Have you ever had to explain to someone, or how would you explain to someone that's never hunted before or shot or even fished before, so they can understand why you love it so much? I mean, not coming from our point of view as the hunter or mm. shooter or fisherman but coming from a point of view to get someone else to understand. I've had a few conversations like that, and I try to put it in terms of the fishing thing. I think that's that's a useful tool because it's, let's be honest, it's, it's somewhat more socially acceptable to go for a fish than it is to go for a shoot. Um, when you start explaining it in terms of going fishing to put food on the table or going fishing for fun or being passionate about fishing, you know, you've got people out there that are buying boats and thousands of dollars on lures and rods and reels and, and getting right into it and TV shows on, on fishing. When you put it in that kind of context, it's, it's, it somehow makes it more acceptable. They, they, can, they can understand it a little bit better. When they see that it's exactly the same thing, you're just using a gun instead of using a fishing rod. Exactly, mate. Tell us what about the... We know we've worked for farmers before. 
what are some of the positives and negatives, or sorry, positives and benefits, say, of hunting and shooting? How do you think this has contributed uh, to the hunting feral animals on public or private land? What are some of the benefits been, you think? Yeah, well, I've seen the damage that, um, as I said, spent a lot of time hunting pigs, and um, you can see the damage that they do. Um, to people that haven't hunted before, I say it's if you if you find land that's been rooted up by a bunch of pigs, it looks like someone's gone, some madman's gone through with hand grenades or gone crazy with a bobcat, and they can really do a lot of damage. Um, I'm not sure what the pricing is at the moment for rural fencing, but with electricity, it's up around the thousands of dollars per kilometre. So if you've got bunches of pigs that are bashing through those uh, fence lines every night, it's um, it's having a pretty catastrophic effect on their bottom line. So I guess that would be the first and most obvious by eliminating or by reducing the numbers of those feral animals, um, particularly with pigs, um, you're going to be helping out the farmers. Um, foxes and cats, obviously that goes without saying, you know, the, the damage that you're doing to the native wildlife is phenomenal. Um, so that go, I guess that goes, that have to be public and, and private as well, you know, like just nationwide, the damage that they're doing is extensive. So, um, you know, it's funny when you see government departments trying to do the same thing, you know, spending millions of dollars and, and not getting anywhere, like the, the goat shoot and the brumby shoot. And then you've got all these, um, they call us amateurs, but, you know, yeah. hunters that are out there, they're willing to do it for nothing. And, um, <laughs> no, you're right, you're you know, right. You know, what, what's been de- deemed as being professional and what's been deemed as being amateur, whether you're getting paid for it or not. Yeah, it always so, seems that, isn't it? You, apparently, if you're getting paid, like some guy's been hunting 40 or 50 years even, you know, yeah. maybe longer, over 60 years, yet they're apparently amateurs, yet That's you've got right. some 23-year-old MPWS buck, you know, <laughs> young buck out there thinking, oh, you know, mm. I'm getting paid, he's the professional. I mean, what a joke that is. Mm. But anyway, mate, what's, um, have you ever had any good results from farmers, like saying, mate, like, you know, thanks for what you guys have done? I mean, you've, you know, you've seen the impact Absolutely. of taking away ferals out of their out of their properties. Do, yeah. you, do you hear things back from them? Absolutely, mate. And I'd count, I'd count the farmers that we visit as, as close friends. Um, we've developed those relationships through through our activities and through our responsible hunting, um, and they're more than happy with the results that we that we achieve. And we've hunted before, and we've sort of got some good results for some farmers, haven't we? For the uh, one in particular, we've done some pretty good results, didn't we? So it was quite a quite a valuable sort of lesson, you know, really for how feral animals or even native animals can really affect certain types of cropping and land. That's right. Yep. Good stuff, man. Uh, this is a very interesting one. This always gets into, uh, I guess, the politics side of it. What are your thoughts on firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? I'm talking laws, etc. I try to steer, I try to steer away from the political stuff as much as I can. It uh, just gets me hot under the collar, and uh, it's a bit like beating your head against a brick wall. But um, yeah, it was interesting listening to what you were saying before and the, the recordings from the uh, from the shot show about yeah. the firearms registry. I think um, I think we're over policed, and I think. Um, yeah, certain political parties are pushing for it to be even more policed. You know, it goes back to the old fishing thing about you know just going down to throw the rod in the water. You know, just getting more and more regulated. And um, I'm going to th- throw a few things at you. You can either give me a, a sentence or yes or no registration. No, not at all. Waste of money. <laughs> What's it doing? How's it? How's it oh, protecting us? According to the firearms registry, you know, safe storage. Police coming to your house, giving all your details. Yeah, is, it regis- is it registering all the bad guys? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> what about let's say firearms categories? Yes or no? No. Depends what categories you're talking about. If you're talking about a bazooka, maybe. no. But a, <laughs> just your generally A, B, C, and D. You know, so we're talking 
you know, from your, from your A and B, from your shotguns to your unders and overs to your bolt actions to your semi-autos to your centerfire semi-autos and your pump shotguns. What do you, you, you agree with it or? I don't think there's any need for it. No? No, I don't, I don't think, um, I mean, it goes back to what we're saying about paintball guns. I mean, yeah, you can do just as much damage with a bolt, bolt action gun as you can with a semi-automatic, so. G'day, I'm Robert Borsak from the Shooters and Fishers Party, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I will not be defined by the actions of one crazy individual with a gun. I will not be lectured to by animal extremists. I will not have my culture questioned by inner city latte sippers, and neither should you. The Shooters and Fishers Party will fight for our rights every single day, every single week of every single year. Find out more about our party and the upcoming New South Wales 2015 election campaign at www.sfp2015.org.au. Right, man, what can hunters and shooters and fishermen do to protect their sport? You know, again, we see, we see, we're seeing a death by a thousand cuts, so to speak. You know, what can we do? I mean, can people band together? And if so, what would you recommend people do? I thought, I, that was going to be my point. I, I think first thing is, is stick together. The thing that frustrates me, particularly with your, on your page, is saying, um, you know, shooters having a go at pig doggers or um, bow hunters having a go at shooters and dissension in the ranks, so to speak. I think everybody needs to realise that um, hunting's hunting and fishing is fishing and um, freedom is freedom. So... Um, when people are pulling each other apart, it only slows down our own course. Uh, the second thing is obviously get behind the Shooters and Fishers Party. They're doing what they can. They're doing a good job. Um, I think the, the Shooters and Fishers Party here should be like the NRA in the, in the States. Yeah? Should, you know, every time something spastic like the ammo bill comes up, that should be knocked on the head by the Shooters and Fishers Party. But, you know, how many people that own a firearm have their wives and children and relatives all card-carrying members of the Shooters and Fishers Party? You know, that's the way that's the way the NRA works, just on sheer numbers and sheer votes. Yeah. So a lot of people have different ideas. What about? So I agree with sort of um, uh, compulsory safe storage. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously with kids around, I think it's a no-brainer to me. You know, mm-hmm. compul- yeah, compulsory. Yeah, I don't know, but you know, I, I, I think- like it because I don't want to get mine stolen. What about you? That's that's, yeah. that's 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 my main reason. And plus, I just I feel a bit more comfortable with them in there. But again, I'm not saying it doesn't have to be compulsory. But if we had I'll give you another one. Sorry to go butt in here. What about self-defense? Here's an interesting one for you. No, a lot of people... Don't go there. <laughs> no, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. But get back on track. You know, you were saying you vote for your pro-gun party. Have you been happy with the... You said you vote... Do you vote SFP first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. What are you, are you, have you been happy with their performance? And if so, what have you, what have you been happy with? Well, I think they're doing what they can. I think they're, um, they're, pushing, the, they're pushing the right agenda. I like that they're... Um, their main cause is stated in their title. You know, they're going to yeah. represent the constituents of the shooters and fishers. Um, I think they need um, more backing from... It's, it's always surprises me how many people own a firearm and don't vote for the shooters and fishers party and will come out and say that they don't vote for the shooters and fishers party. I think that's that's just ridiculous. I think they're shooting themselves in their own foot, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Do you, I know you see... So you, is there anything... You know, you're not happy with. I mean, is there anything you'd like to see them push for the future, or you're not happy with, or uh, you feel like, you know, what would you want to see over, say, the next? I mean, obviously we've got the election next year in March 2015. <laughs> what would you like to see over, say, not only the next 12 months, but let's say long term? I was really cheering for them with uh, the victories that they got with hunting in national parks. I thought that was going to be a, I think I thought that was going to be a big success. Um, I think uh, we were we were jilted to some extent yeah the carpet was ripped from underneath us but um 
yeah, if, if I had a wish list, the top of the thing, the first thing would be hunting in national parks to, for all those reasons. Yeah. What about, say, um, your organisations? Do you think they're doing enough? I mean, obviously, we've got major organisations, SSAA, other organisations. Obviously, being a member, we're both members of the Nepean Hunters Club. Do you think our organisations are doing enough? I think they're doing what they can. Yeah. All right, mate. Part of the episode here no one's subject everyone's done it or pretty much almost everyone unless i was too scared to ask them but that's <laughs> that's pretty rare we've got five questions in under a minute it's our segment here on the everyday hunter you reckon you're gonna be able to take the challenge i'll go for it all right man what we're gonna do as soon as i finish as soon as i start asking the question we're ready to go so three two one go mate in five words or less describe what hunting means to you mates laughter shenanigans preparation persistence all right good one mate favorite game species to hunt and why we already went through this but just give us a quick one pigs because they're a blast yeah your proudest moment uh or experience you've had being a hunter does this have to be under a minute yeah go on (laughs) (laughs) i took a young bloke out uh he was 17 years old never shot a pig before and i lined him up with a massive stinking boar yeah if you could hunt anywhere in the world where would it be and why bull elk in uh wyoming yeah yeah, just because I've always wanted to. It's on the bucket list. I'll get there one day. Mate, uh, favourite piece of hunting equipment you own or anything that you own in regards to hunting? What is it and why? Uh, just be my rifle, mate. That's my baby. Mate, you've done it. You've not got it? Pe- yeah, it? Yeah. Not many people have done it. Forty-three twenty-eight. Not oh. many people have done it, I can tell you that. <laughs> i got the first one done. I could probably shave down a couple of seconds. All right, Lance, mate, to finish off, mate, tell us a story you might be able to share with the audience. Maybe something that sticks in your mind as a great day in your life. Give me, Give me one of your best. Yeah, I've got a, got a couple of bunch of stories there, Jason. Um, in terms of pride, I'd say uh, what I was talking to you before about taking the young bloke out, a young bloke called Jordan, he'd, uh, he came to me a couple of times and said, I'm having a, bit of, having a bit of luck getting hold of some pigs, and him and his dad had tried a whole bunch of things to, uh, to try and get onto some pigs and weren't having a lot of luck. So I guess they were after a little bit of coaching, so I went on for a couple of weeks, but um, they weren't able to get there in the end, and I think they just ended up saying, do you want to? You know, do you want to come with us and sort of point us in the right direction? Yeah. So, yeah, we went out and um, yeah, it was just it was a really good moment. We uh, we got up really early one day and um, yeah, spotted a whole bunch of pigs off in the distance, just a just a mob nosing about, and um, we sat there for a while just just watching them, just scoping them. You know, I was running him through the the scenario of what might what's most likely to happen, and um, we're just about to make a move, and this tank of a pig came through. It would have been. 110, 120 kilo live weight. It was just a monster. He came through behind, you know, being a bit uh, matriarchal and, and following around and carrying mm. on. And um, I said, that's that's your pig. That's your first pig, mate. Because he n- never shot a pig before. So We snuck down through this creek line and, uh, and out the other side and, and it was... The whole thing lasted for about two hours, I reckon. Really? Is this middle yeah. of the day, morning, night, no, was it? No, it was real early. Yep. It was right on dawn, so... Yep. It was more of a of a of a game to try and get him into the right position and, and teaching him the patience of letting all these other pigs walk past. And um, yeah, we, we we got into a position where we were downwind. There's a lot, couple of lines of trees, and we snuck through the long grass, and we're just watching this mob. And I said, "He's going to come back around. He'll come back up this hillside, and 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 we'll see him soon." And we must have been lying there for about 15 minutes, I reckon, watching this mob circle around, and. Um, just patiently waiting, mm. and I could I could just about hear his heart beating uh, through the ground. You know, he was, he was so excited, <laughs> he was nervous. And um, and eventually, this big boar was just a, just a massive tank of a pig came up out of the creek line, and he squeezed the shot off. And uh, how far was, away you reckon? How much? What sort of distance? Ah, oh, probably 
about 50 metres, oh, yeah. 40 or 50 metres. Yeah. It was a decent shot, but um, just to have him there and have his first pig, and his dad was there too, so to have him there and just to, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I didn't do a lot of coaching, but, um, you know, just just to having him there and, and, and pointing in the, in the right direction and, and in, um, facilitating that so he could get, get his first pig and having that as a whopper and, you know, I insisted that I have a photo with him. It was just a really proud moment. So I'm taking really it. memorable time. Yeah. I'm taking. You got it then. Yeah, yeah. You didn't no, yeah he dropped it. No, oh, that's <laughs> hey, hey, we got it. That's what I wanted to hear. Whether you like, shot it, what did it go? Did it run? Yeah, or? no, I dropped on the spot. It was, yeah, it was a screamer. Yeah. And what pr- yeah. is, that, is that a pretty good size? You reckon to get that sort of weight as a? Oh yeah, is yeah. that hard to come yeah, by? No, so I don't pig, really. Yeah. yeah, big pig. Yeah. Awesome. But he was he was stoked to get that for his first pig and. Um, I was happy to be there with him. So he's probably not going to be happy now because he's like, "Oh, I'm never going to beat that," you know. At least, on, <laughs> at least not in the next, you know. So hot. So, There's a crack of a start. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, it was worth it, mate. If you to finish off um, the segment for the everyday, have you got in part one, say piece of knowledge on our listeners? Uh, what would it be before we finish off? Say just to you know, maybe it could give me anything. You know, educating hunters about just anything. What do you think? Mate, it's, it's been an honour to be on your show, uh, belting down the same airways as, as heroes of mine like Joe Duckworth and uh, Tom Knapp. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Joe Duckworth said to you, um, you've got to consider safety. If there's one thing that I could teach anybody that's thinking about taking up hunting, is go to a club like Napoleon Hunters Club, go to, to your local club, sit a safety course and work out what's what. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Safety is always important. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, if that's if that, if there's one thing that I could, could impart to every person that went out, that would be it. Yep. You know, enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy hunting for what it is. You're not out to to kill everything, like I said at the start of the show. Um, if you go out with the intention of of wanting to destroy stuff or, or specifically wanting to achieve a certain goal, like a you know shooting a bull elk in Canada might be a, a bucket list dream of yours, but you know, if you've set out every single time with trying to achieve that, then you then you're going to suffer. You're going to be frustrated. You're not going to enjoy hunting for what it is. Uh, you know, like the worst days fishing is still better than the best days work. You know, you got to mm. have that mentality, and um, that's the mentality that my mates and I have. If if we're out there and we're having a laugh and we're having a good time and everyone's safe and you know you're having a good life experience, then that's what it's all about. It's about getting away. It's about yeah, enjoying uh, enjoying our beautiful native wildlife and our, our native environment, doing our bit for nature, but doing it safely. So yeah, any any good trips coming up? You anything coming up that you you know any trips for yourself? Yeah, Don't have to tell me exactly where, but anything coming up or obviously anything exciting? More pig hunts or yeah, no, we we, we try to get away about once a month. We've got um we've got a whole bunch of properties. We're in the unique position of having too many properties and not enough time to get to them. So. Oh, we're doing pretty well um, that's pretty harsh man you so, don't have enough time to get to all these properties <laughs> heaven forbid you know yeah so we've got yeah we've got a couple in the pipeline next you know two or three months the biggest trip we've got coming up is we're heading down to uh victoria mm-hmm. to go after some sandbar again i get like i said i go down twice a year so but that's going to take a bit of preparation because i'm going to do a bit of overlanding there and um try and get off the beaten track so to speak and try and Try and get into some more remote areas, so we're we're training up for that at the moment. Doing some boot camp training three times a week and yeah. getting our gear sorted out. So I was gonna say yeah. you must have the best wife ever if you're going away once a month. She must be a keeper, mate. Yeah, well, she comes on some of them. Yeah. Does she? Yeah, yeah, she comes away. She's <laughs> not into the hunting side herself, but no, we've got one of those off-road camper trailers, so we get away with the kids pretty often. And um, whilst it not whilst it might not be specifically for hunting, you know, she uh, 
she's on board with it all. Uh, she's yeah, great. Right. She's great value. Quick question about that. I mean, when you first sort of met her, was that an issue hunting? You know, because I know a lot of people, a lot of couples, their the, the wives don't really like it, or some. I know some guys that are hunting. They sort of got really wives that don't like it. Was, yeah. she, was that just natural? Did like, she just accepted? She did not know anything about hunting before, and then when she met you, she went, "Oh, hunting." Uh. I was sort of the other way around. Like I said, I got into it through my brother-in-law. So, um, yeah. well, he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. time he was yeah. my, my girlfriend's brother. So, yeah. um, first trip for me was out to Cobar, and we're just ch- chasing. Uh, pigs and, and goats out there. Um, if I hadn't met her, I probably wouldn't have gone on that hunting trip. So I probably would have ended up with paintball, but I wouldn't have gone the direction of hunting, I don't think. Mm. So uh, what I was saying before about a proud moment being getting my first pig, when we went out to Cobar, we saw a bunch of pigs but didn't get hold of them. I always wanted to hunt feral pigs after that moment of them getting away. Yeah? So um, Good stuff. once I'd finished playing paintball and got my firearms licence, I started looking through properties that I could get onto and uh, state forests and whatnot through the R license system. I think I, I think I spent about four or five years looking for my first pig, so yeah. getting getting onto my first one was a blinder of a moment and it's um, something I'll never forget. Do you still do paintball or is that taking a, definitely taking a back seat now? Or? Oh, it's taken back seat, mate, because the uh, – oh, Adam might, might have filled you in more about it, but the, um, the, the tournament scene is really intense. It's a yeah. nationwide tournament. Thousands of people play. Um, just an average tournament at, at Action Paintball will have 15, 20 teams all playing out for, for international titles, you know, and, and guys yeah. flying all around the state, all around, the, all around Australia. So um, it is a bit of a, you know, catch-22 trying to um, save up and pay for the tournaments and for your weekly yep. budget um, yep. and training at the same time because you to be competitive at that level, you've got to train once a week. So the costs do tend to run up when you're at that level of, yeah. of professional play. So, um, yeah, with the wives and the kids and the and the uh, renovations to the house and whatnot, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it ended up being a bit costly. But um, I try to get down there from time to time and, and most of my mates that I go shooting with, I know through paintball. So I'm still in touch with them all. But, yeah. yeah. That's a, I know we were there the other day talking to... Uh, Mike and um, Adam there at the Action Paintball booth over at the Shot Show. I tell you what, I just I couldn't believe some of the gear. I mean, I t- told him I sort of played about oh, so much Action Paintball. I would have been so probably 18, 19, so it's got to be like four, thirteen 13 years ago. Yep. And I just couldn't believe how sort of, you know, he goes, oh, technology's come a long way. You oh, know, incredible. Just from, yeah, just from the paintballs. And just, I'm looking at some of the um, paintball markers behind there. I'm like, jeez, yeah. Oh, I remember mine used to, ah, mine used to jam, and I'd be like, ah, yeah. oh, I'm getting. One time I got me, my mask was fogging up, and I couldn't see, and I'm getting yeah. disorientated. And no, it's totally different. Then I got, you know, I had a, one of the mouth guard, a mouth thing with a face cover on it, and it yeah. shot me. And I was eating paint, and yeah. I was like, ah, oh, this is this. I'll never forget the first time I, I thought I was a smart guy. You know, I didn't play before. It was before any hunting or shooting. I didn't have a license. I think I did at that stage. I didn't, wasn't, didn't have anything to really to do with it, but I got me a license. And I, there was a little one. I'm not sure if it's still there. It was like a little moat, you know, with a little, uh, what do you call it? Like it's like a little bridge over the moat. Yep. And they were on one side and the other. So I thought, oh, I'm going to duck behind this bush. So first thing I did, head down behind the bush. Mistake, yep. man. I caught one right in the scone. On the crown. Oh, yeah. I, I remember just 
me whole I say, it's even happening now as we're talking right because I can still feel it mm. that back of me hair just stood up on the back of me neck the hair and I was just like oh just me whole mm. I just was shaking me I was like oh that was painful <laughs> you yeah. know I couldn't believe it because I obviously wasn't ready it was coming that was the first time I got shot and I was right in the right on the top of me right in the top of the head I was just ah oh. yeah if you cop you it know? on a bone like like you said your skull or your oh. knuckles or something it can sting a bit absolutely painful yeah. man but no, no you're right about the, the technology and the gun is incredible they've got uh, sensors that read how fast the paintballs are coming down the feed neck it's all um, motorized through like little microphones and whatnot to register how fast the gun's firing there's motherboards inside the grip frame that monitor the rate of fire and the, really and how fast the paintballs are going it's all co2 com- and um, compressed air sorry at the back the remember the little scuba tanks they got at the back yep yeah but the game itself is is incredibly fast paced you should get on um youtube and check out some of the pro stuff that they're doing like uh, top in super sevens or whatever it's just it's crazy fast and games will be done games are finished in two or three minutes you know but they're 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 playing at such a level that you can't see someone out in the open and go oh there's someone bang and shoot them everybody's shooting at such a level that they're shooting ropes of paint back and locking out the entire field so you've got seven guys that are trying to lock out the rest of the field to prevent anybody from moving so a team might have a set gameplay where they're going to push one side of the field or push the other side of the field, but the the team that wins at the end of the day is the team that's got the best communication and the best gun skills to some extent, but yeah. communication is the big winner, and it's just blindingly fast. You, you've got to go down there and sit on the sideline and watch a watch a tournament game. You won't believe the things that they're doing. It's incredible. Yeah. Might have to do a podcast with that too, I think, Paintball. So I think it'd be good to see how far it's come. You know, I mean, I know it was popular, but I didn't think, you know... Like no, it, it's massive. I didn't really think it big. was that massive. That's yeah. what I said to the guys at Action Paintball. It'd be great if you know, Airsoft came up, they'd be able to gear up for it. I mean, mm. you know, considered a toy in other countries, yet banned here, go figure. No. But No, it's a massive sport. And I remember saying to Balzac and Brown originally, like, would have been years ago, that you've got a, a massive contingent of voters, of gun owners who are registered gun owners to own uh, paintball licences, Yeah. who essentially are suffering the same problems as general firearms licence holders yeah. across Australia. Like, what do they think you're going to shoot out of? Like, what do they think people are just going to run around shooting people with paintballs or in the street, out of cars, or what do they think they're going to modify it, just turn it into an automatic weapon? Or just no, no, no idea, idea eh? I'll tell you what, I'd rather be hit by a paintball than a, than a compound bow. That's for sure. But I guess they're thinking that you know someone's got hold of a paintball gun that they're going to run amok. But they, like I said, the category H, so you're dealing with the same kinds of restrictions that you've got for a target pistol. Yeah, someone can't did- shoot it anywhere except at a registered field. You can't shoot anything except registered paint. Nightmare. Amazing how yeah, I think one of the guys there said too. Uh, he said when you're doing your license, the idea is just a category H. Hmm. You've got to do some sort of course, and part of that course is well, yeah, you never point the gun. At, anyone, <laughs> and at the, anyone else until you step onto a field yeah yeah and then it's like because it's dangerous this you don't point guns at people yeah. obviously but, but there's um, massive cons- inconsistencies across australia because i mean you've got to be 16 here to play at first and perth is 14 and yet, yet i can US hunt is, under permit. yeah yeah you, yeah you know you get a junior 12. license at 12 you can own a shotgun kid can walk around with a shotgun at the age of 12 but you can't own a paintball gun oh this is just reprehensible but you've got to do something about it jace <laughs> I'm just one guy, mate. Just one schmuck running a podcast, man. Um, mate, I guess, mate, good to have you on the show uh, for this uh, everyday hunt. We spoke about a lot of stuff, and it's good, you know, about the future of hunting, you know, just everything really in general. And this sort of show is to have a chat to, you know, people. I'm the same. I'm, like, I'm not an everyday hunter. Like some people get out a lot, people get out a lot more than I do. And, 
you know, it's just great to have people. And so the, the questions are always very similar for the people that we have on the show, mm. just to see what they think about it. And then a lot of people can get the idea of the questions and how different people decide to answer those questions. I mean, obviously we added a few a few more. You were the new one about voting for the political parties. And, you know, I want to find mm. out too, people voting for their political parties. You know, do they, mm. do they know about their political parties? Are they happy with their performance? Do they want to see better? Mm. Um, we're seeing more and more pro-gun parties pop up. We've got fishing parties. We've got everything else. But, mm. you know, we need to, you know, I guess, vote for people that are making a difference, you know what I mean, mm. and getting, trying to get our rights back and... You know, you're saying, you know, stuff about the NRA and some of our organisations. I'd like to see some people push a bit harder for our rights. And I just don't think that's happening. But anyway, thanks for being part of the show, mate. Really appreciate it. No, like I said before, mate, it's an honour and a privilege. I've uh, enjoyed your show for many years. So to hear my own voice belting down the airways is a privilege, mate. appreciate it. Congratulations on all you've done and keep up the good work. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.